This is Boss Tone Radio, talk for guitar players, presented by BossUS.com. Hi, Paul Hansen here. Hey, today we have a really interesting guest, as usual. Today we have Rick Derringer coming to you from his beautiful limousine on the uh, ride from the Dallas airport to the Dallas Guitar Show. Rick is famous for so many things. He's had such a long career. You probably know the song Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo or heard the song Frankenstein by Edgar Winter. But Rick has played on, produced, written, and sang countless other songs, standing all the way from the 60s with his band The McCoys, where he had the huge hit Hang On Sloopy, all the way to current days. He's played with Cindy Lauper, Alice Cooper, Rick even produced Weird Al Yankovic records and played on those. Rick really made a name for himself in the 70s playing with Johnny Winter. But before we get Rick on the phone, let's listen to a bit of Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo from Rick's All-American Boy album. Are you on route to the Dallas Guitar Show as we speak? We are headed to the Dallas International Guitar Show, uh, which uh, we've done so many times it feels like the Rick Derringer International Guitar Show. (laughs) Yeah, I saw you there last year. Uh, I was always wondering, you know, when you're at a show like that with all those old vintage guitars, do you ever walk by a guitar and think, I remember having a guitar like that and then buy it? No. <laughs> I walk by the guitars and say, I remember having a guitar like that. But you know what? Now it's just an old guitar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like a lot of the new ones. Uh, you know, I feel like people are really recreating what was good about the old ones and then taking them a step further. I also, I also wonder if, do you still have your um, Les Paul that you played in Johnny Winter's band? And No. No? I have a... Uh, I have an old Strat that I played in the band called Derringer, and we used that on Derringer Live album. I still have that one. And I have a uh, one that's very similar to the Les Pauls I used to have in those days, and I have one that's very close to the three, uh, the uh, ES-355 Gibson, uh, uh, the red one that I played in those days. That's the guitar that you played in the 60s in, in the McCoys, right? Yeah. Were you influenced by... Chuck Berry, when you were growing up, was Chuck Berry one of Chuck, them? Chuck was certainly one of them, James Burton. But, you know, I liked uh-huh. uh, Les Paul and Chet Atkins, Wes Montgomery, and Merle Travis, and uh. all those kind of guys, too. Yeah. So your band, the McCoys, you're a teenager, and you're just having fun, and um, all of a sudden you have a number one record <laughs> in the country. What was that like? 
Well, my parents were very pragmatic. They told me that I'd never be able to make it, you know, make a living uh, <laughs> as a guitarist. So plan for something else. Plan for another job. And I was enrolled in the Dayton Art Institute, a five-year art school. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had just graduated. And I was supposed to go to school in September. Uh huh. But of all things, in August... We met these producers that asked uh, asked me and the rest of the band to come to New York and record Hang on Sloopy. And uh, it it was well on its way to becoming number one uh -huh. uh, in plenty of time for me to go, you know what? Looks <laughs> like I'm not going to be able to go to that five-year <laughs> art school. <laughs> Here's an excerpt from that number one hit, Hang on Sloopy. Rick's band is called the McCoys. And his brother is playing drums. Rick is the lead singer. going to ask you you uh did the ringo all-star band last summer yeah and with your old bandmate edgar winter it was that fun oh yeah it was great um edgar and i play on the same concert all the time my band and his band but we very seldom get to play together mm -hmm. uh, you know in one band and especially if we did it with edgar's band he uh was way over the top on he stretches Frankenstein out so it's 20 minutes long at least, <laughs> sometimes longer. Tobacco Road longer. And well, uh, so with Ringo, he is uh, under real-time constraints. Right. Ringo likes them to be pretty much the length of the records. Uh -huh. So it's great. People get to hear the song like it was recorded with people that recorded it. So it was a really fun gig. I was wondering how that works. Do you guys have a tour bus or are you, do you fly in a jet to the shows? Yeah, we all fly together. He plans the concerts very well so mm -hmm. that there will be one central location for five or six days and we'll fly in and out of that location for the shows mm -hmm. during that period. And then we go on to another location and it's very well planned and you get to feel what it was like to be a Beatle. <laughs> yeah, that must be a cool gig. Hey, so let's see. Let's go back to the 70s. Um, you're in the McCoys, and uh, somehow you met Johnny Winter and joined his band. How did that all come about? Yeah, it was around 1969. Uh, the McCoys were looking to gain credibility, and uh -huh. Johnny Winter was looking to branch into a little more rock. And... Uh -huh. uh, we met up and decided that it was a good match and that we started playing together about 69. And it was really good. We played together until he checked himself into uh, rehab 
at which uh -huh. time uh, I had already been working with Edgar Winter producing some of his records. So I just pretty much called up Edgar and said, well, looks like I'm free. Uh huh. And I became the guitarist in uh, Edgar Winter's White Trash at that time. I, I want to ask you all about Edgar Winter, but back to Johnny Winter, I remember being a kid and seeing you guys, you and Johnny, on TV just and you're just shredding, and uh, it totally affected me. I mean, it was so cool. You had kind of gone from being this pop guitarist, you know, in the McCoys, to like um, a real hard rock guy. Would you and Johnny ever hang out in the hotel room and trade licks or just jam? Yeah, Johnny uh, actually showed me a lot about the... I had already been playing slide guitar in the oh, uh, yeah. regular E-tuning. And, uh, I mean, a regular... Uh, standard guitar tuning. Uh -huh. And Johnny showed me a couple different tunings and, and uh, ah. stuff to do in G tuning and in the E chord tuning. Ah. And uh, it really helped me a lot with my slide guitar playing. So that was really fun. Um, uh -huh. Beyond that, you know, I tried to steal every lick, lick I could. <laughs> yeah. I mean, both you guys are just amazing. Here's Rick and Johnny jamming on Rick Derringer's song, Funky Music back in the 70s. Johnny's playing the first solo and Rick will come in on the second solo. In addition to being a great guitar player, you're also a producer. One incredible album you produced was They Only Come Out at Night by Edgar Winter. Yeah, well, when I joined Johnny Winter's band, I started producing at that time for him. I started uh -huh. producing his records. I produced the Johnny Winter and record, and then uh, the live Johnny Winter and live, and, and three other albums for Johnny. And I had already produced a White Trash studio album, and um, the White Trash uh, Roadwork album, which was the live record. Wow. So I had already produced everything uh, Edgar and Johnny at that time had done that was gold or platinum. So it was wow. obvious when he started <laughs> the band uh, that would do Free Ride and Frankenstein and those things that uh -huh. I'd be the producer. What is it like producing those guys? Would you be in the control room and say, no, Johnny, do another guitar solo or your vocal needs to be more aggressive? Would you do those kind of things? Yeah, I'd do. Hey, Johnny, I think you got another solo. that We can get one better. And Johnny would go, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It must have yeah, been... that was my job. I was sitting uh -huh. in there doing all that stuff. All the stuff a producer does. Uh-huh. And then when you mixed... Um, I'd be the guy doing that, too. Wow. Do you listen to the music loud when you mix, or do you listen uh, to it soft? We listen to it at all levels. Mm -hmm. What you got, you lose perspective loud. Yeah. You can't hear certain frequencies uh, uh -huh. within the, the proper relationships. Uh -huh. So you have to pretty much mix quietly. Uh -huh. But uh, then you want to check and see how that sounds when you turn it up loud. And you might make some adjustments then. But the uh, majority of mixing is done very quietly. Mm-hmm. Interesting. To the song Frankenstein, um, I heard you guys weren't even planning on putting that on the record. 
at the right. time, as it was happening, did you think it was going to be a hit? We had no, you never have an idea about that, frankly. But uh, mm -hmm. Bill Simzik, who was my engineer on that project, and I. Uh -huh. Bill Sim? Bill Simzik, the guy that produced all the Eagles records. Uh -huh. But anyway, he was my engineer on that project, and, and uh, we liked the whole album. It was really good, but we really looked forward to doing that big instrumental, Frankenstein. Uh -huh. ended up being called and uh, somewhere in the middle of the project the record company came in and they they you know they're always looking after what they think is the right thing to do and they advised us that they didn't think that song should be on the record they said well it really doesn't fit with the rest <laughs> of the album and uh, bill and i both looked at each other and said you gotta be kidding so uh, <laughs> we ended up telling them you know no we're gonna go ahead and do it we're gonna put it on the record you know we think it'll work Don't worry guys and uh -huh. uh, certainly it did work. It became uh, oh. a platinum single. Oh, man. Nominated for, the, nominated for the Grammy for the Instrumental of the Year that year. I remember hearing that for the first time and just, I mean, it was so, so intense and the, the riffs were so cool. And the synth, I'd never heard synthesizers do that before. Well, that, it hadn't. Mm -hmm. uh, Ed no. was one of the first guys that said, well, we can take this instrument and do a little more with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had one of the first R2600s, mm -hmm. and uh, he had people come in and show him, you know, what he needed to learn to really operate that thing. Uh -huh. He really took it to a whole new level. He sure did. And that did. was uh, one of the things, you know, Edgar says he's responsible for being the first guy to use a strap-on. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah. laughed a little bit when he says that, but uh, that, that is yeah. actually the truth. No one was out there doing that at that time. He actually took that little keyboard and uh, made a strap and was able to use it in a live performance in a little more of a theatrical, entertaining way. Right, instead of being a keyboard player back there behind the organ all the time. Yeah, I remember seeing that on maybe Don Kirshner's rock concert or something yeah. like that and going, holy cow. Here's an excerpt from that huge, massive hit, Frankenstein. And Rick is playing guitar as well as producing. <laughs> Back to, back to you, Rick. I, I rode my bike down to the store and bought your All-American Boy album, and that was yeah. ma maybe 73 or something, something like that. 73. Yeah. And um, so at that point, it was your band. Did you like, you know, having your own band and not being a side artist at, at that well, point? Well, I, I, yeah, certainly. Certainly did. But... Uh, Edgar and I had done so much work together at that point, we decided rather than me have my own band, we'd just go out and join forces. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was actually billed as uh, Edgar Winter Group featuring Rick Derringer at that time. Ah. Uh, but yeah, it's always good to be your own boss. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that red strat on the cover. Um, yeah. It, I don't think it had the Fender name on it, so I was always wondering if that was a Fender. Yeah, it was a Fender. 
but somebody had done quite a bit of work. They'd put a pretty funky bridge on it. Um, it wasn't the best guitar ever, but it really looked good in a photo. So <laughs> that's why we used it for that photo. No, but anyway, that, no. that ended up being owned by a guitar store in Chicago. And I know uh, several years ago they had it uh, on the auction block for 80000 Oh, my God. If got that or if it went for more. Uh, I don't oh, know. my God. <laughs> okay, yeah. we might have to cut toward the end because it looks like we're almost to the hotel now. Oh, okay. Hey, Rick, um, you've used Boss pedals over the years, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, it, they've been around since you were in the 70s. Do you have any favorite ones? Well, the, all the Boss pedals, Boss does a really good job. They've been there doing that for the about as long as anybody, and they mm -hmm. do it really well. But I got to uh, tell you that the, we always go back to that Boss tuner. Uh, there are lots mm -hmm. of tuners out there, and Boss makes a really good one. It's yeah. accurate. The guitars always stay in tune. It's easy to use. Yep, the T3 pedal tuner. Uh, it takes a lot of rough handling and still keeps on ticking. Mm -hmm. And we always keep going back to that Boss tuner, um, even now. I'm getting a brand new one any minute. <laughs> the chorus pedal is another one that uh, is very usable. Uh, chorus pedals can be very finicky things. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them sound good and some of them really don't. And the uh, Boss makes a really usable one that works in a lot of different ways. And it always is, uh, you know, it sounds very listenable, very mm -hmm. musical. That's the blue one. Do you use, ever use it yeah. on solos? or? Uh, I've used it over the years. You know, I use them more in uh, rhythm parts and, and uh, background parts than solos. And any advice to guitar players? Here's what I always tell guitar uh -huh. players that ask for advice. I say the best thing, the first lesson is, the first thing you should learn is don't leave your wallet in the dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really good or advice. Or your favorite guitar in the car when you park it. Either wow. Those big no-nos. Dang, that's good advice, Rick. Well, thanks so much for letting me uh, talk to you here. Have a great show there in Dallas. Oh, thank you very much. Okay, and... Uh, Too bad we won't see you this year. Oh, thanks. Yeah, this year I'm going to miss all the craziness. Are you playing on the outdoor stage? Yeah, I know we're playing at one of the stages on uh, noon on Friday, I believe. Mm -hmm. And we play at another stage, uh, 6 o'clock on Sunday. I'm doing a seminar on Friday. Wow. And uh, probably play a couple songs in the jam session, which is Friday night, I believe. Rick, do you have time for a few more questions, or do you have to go? Uh, I have to go now. We're checking in right now as we speak. We're just going in front right now. But I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay, Rick, have a great show. Okay, take care. That's Rick playing on Edgar Winter's huge hit, Free Ride, um, which he also produced. So super thanks to Rick Derringer for taking some time out of his schedule and being on Boss Tone Radio. And thank you for using all of Boss's cool products, including pedals, loopers, drum machines, metronomes, digital recorders, all the cool stuff from Boss. This is Paul Hansen saying, I'll catch you later. Hey!